Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. It will not be up on the screen. I want you to make this Bible declaration over your hearts as we read God's Word. Are you ready? And we can say this in concert and in unison. Do we have it to put up on the screen? If not, you can just repeat after me. Let's read it in unison on three. One, two, three. This is the infallible, undisputed, and inerrant word of God. Today, I open up my heart, mind, spirit, and soul to receive from its truths. God, I thank you that fruit will abound to my account as a result of reading, hearing, and applying your word to every area of my life in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? I said, do you believe it? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and here's what it says. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. Everybody say the Father. I'm going to read that again. For this reason, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom, listen to this phraseology that he used, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Everybody say, I bear his name. Are are you catching the, the weight of what he's saying there? He's saying, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, God is our heavenly Father. Do you have, who in here um, has their father's last name? If you're not married, who has their father's last name? Come on, you can, everybody's being, it's not a trick question. (laughs) Listen to this. For this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. In other words, you bear God's name because you're his child. And it goes on to say that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might. He wants to grant you something because you bear his name. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend so you can get it. Comprehend with all the saints that what is the width, the length, the depth, and height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. You may have your seats. Before we continue, I'm not going to be too long today. I'm going to read Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 again, but this is going to be in the amplified version. Am I talking too fast for anyone this morning? Do we have translation going on? I'll make sure I go to turtle mode if I need to. So this is the Amplified Version. So same scripture. 
has a different depth to it. The English is going to be a little bit different. It's not going to look like this in your Bible. This is the Amplified, the AMP version. It says, for this reason, grasping the greatness of this plan by which the Jews and Gentiles are joined together in Christ, I bow my knees in reverence before the Father. Everybody say the Father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on the earth derives its name. This is important. We're going to talk about his name this morning. Say his name. Yeah, because all throughout history, you ever wondered why the children carry the name of the father, at least until the female gets, I mean, even, so, so we as children, we bear, we bear the father's name. We bear his DNA because something, something is very, very important in the spirit by name. You, you, you ever looked up your name on what it means? Do you ever see how you kind of live up to it? In a way? Am I the only one? Have you looked up your name, Priscilla? You know? Look up your name. You have to do that if you're a Christian. Look up your name. Because when, when someone is named something, the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So names are really like a prophetic banner over your life. Is, am I right, Tamaki? It's like a prophetic banner. I didn't know this. So, so and, and usually, whatever your name means, the enemy meaning the devil or Satan or his cohorts, will attack you to get you to feel the opposite of your name. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, God, the first and the ultimate father. So, so listen to this. So my name is Donald and I didn't know this, but for some reason, I always grew up deeply insecure. I am still deeply insecure. I'm not. Conf- I'm just telling you this to reality. God is still healing me. But, but please, before you go to pray for me, um, I don't know if I want to get delivered because it's my greatest strength and weakness. And and I don't know if I want God to rid that. Sunday mornings are the worst for me. You want me to t- can I tell you? My mother's like. You really going to go into this? I always had an innate fear, still deeply. If you look at my hands long enough, you can see the shine on them. You see them looking glossy? Can you catch it through the light? They're sweaty. They were dripping on the way here this morning from being just nervous. And as much as I've done this, you would think that, you know, I would be delivered. But I really and truly believe it's God's gift to me to keep me humble. And so, so I may seem big on Sunday morning, but I actually feel very, very, very small. And God does that intentionally to me because it forces me into complete and utter dependence. So, so a lot of people think I'm in the spirit. They'll catch me in the, the, the green room or my office right before service and they see streams of tears coming down my face and they think it's the anointing and I'm just afraid. I just let them think that. They're like, he's anointed, leave him alone. I'm just like, no, I'm crying because I don't know what to do. What am I going to say? But it's funny because your name is a prophetic declaration in the spirit and you genuinely will get attacked in the opposite. So my name means leader. Donald means leader. It means world leader, things like that. World leader, uh, ruler, different, different. 
derives different things, but mainly leaders. So I always felt very insecure about leading. But there's something much, much more significant in the spirit when you become a child of God because your Bible that you just read just now, it says that all of heaven, people are in heaven and on the earth derives its name. Because God, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, yes to serving him, you confess him as Lord, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, do you know what happens? You become branded with his name. I'm going to go into some deep things this morning. And this morning, I'm particularly nervous because I feel what I'm going to communicate. Most, just about every Sunday, what I communicate is, is holy because it's coming from the scriptures because the scriptures is holy. Say the scriptures is holy. Yes. But in particular, uh, this is a little bit more sensitive because I have to make sure that I'm absolutely unequivocally biblically sound on what I'm going to say because it's very deep. Can we go deep? Can you put your snorkel on? For a moment, let's go a little deep this morning. There is one central theme in the Bible. It's climaxing towards something. Climaxing means climbing towards something. All the way from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, God is getting us ready for something. Do you know what it is? I, I honestly want to ask you. Does anybody want to try to guess what we are climaxing towards? It started in the Garden of Eden, and it ends in the book of Revelation with a, a central theme. Do you know what it is? Everybody's nervous. They don't want to be wrong in front of everybody. It's so funny because some of you in a private room, you'd be the first to speak. It's climaxing towards a wedding. The Bible calls it. Did you know that? The very first scene, what scene happens in Genesis, the book of Genesis? Adam and Eve. There's a marriage that happens. There's a oneness in God because this says, the Bible says the two shall become one flesh in marriage. Come on, are you following me? Doesn't the Bible say that? And what, what, did, what did God take from Adam to make two? Yeah, because they were one. That is, that is, a, that is a type of and shadow of oneness, wedding, God and man, woman and man and God being in oneness, like a wedding. You fast forward through all the books of the Bible and there's types and foreshadows and God getting his uh, creation ready to climax towards this, what we would call the marriage supper of the Lamb. Is this too deep this morning? He's going towards something. I'm going to read several scriptures. So again, put your snorkel on. I, I believe you're going to really love these verses. I'm going to read lots of verses, okay? It's kind of illegal in church these days, but you'll, 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 your spirit will get it. Book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 7 through 9. It says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory, for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and his bride, who's his bride? Come on, say we are. And his bride has made herself ready. I know it make, make, uh, may make some of you guys feel really... Um, uncomfortable that you're going to be referred to a little bit uh, as her today, okay? But it's, it's symbolic. Say it's symbolic. And his bride has made herself ready, and it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. That's why the Bible continues to say that God is going after a spotless bride, pure and without a blemish. That's why you see so much sifting happening in the body of Christ right now. This is why you see so many pastors that are uh, being exposed. You're seeing leaders being exposed. You're seeing 
sifting in your own life. God taking away things that taking away your binky and your blankie and stuff and making you go through hardship and pain. It's because God is purifying you and making you ready for what? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Because he's not looking for something with spots. He's looking for something that's pure and holy and is not moved by every weight and doctrine. It's not moved by circumstances. Everybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? Revelation 19.9, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, meaning the believers. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Say the true words of God. Revelation 19.7, I read that. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 through 14, it says, the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus. Say, this is Jesus speaking. He says, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Who's the son? Who's the son? Come on, who's the son? Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. It's like his heavenly father preparing a wedding. Who's the bride? The bride of the, the church, the bride of Christ. It's like a, a king preparing a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. Like when somebody invited you to church, I feel the Holy Spirit on this. Like when somebody invited you to the church, you think Susie or your parents invited you. But God is actually inviting you through them so that you can be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. So that he can use his church, the church body, to purify you, to cut certain things out of your life, to get you purified, so that you will be a spotless bride presented to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Revelation 19, uh, 6-9, it says, Then I heard what seemed to be a voice of great multitude, like the roar of many waters. And you can take these uh, notes down if when I mention the scriptures and reference them yourself. But he says, I, I heard the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and the sound of many peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us re rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready and it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen. You've heard that one. In John chapter 14, New Testament, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. Hint, ladies, if he doesn't have a home to bring you to. Say, he better have a house. He will get a house if he don't have one. He will. Have him come see me. I'll talk to him and prep him. This is Jesus talking to his people. He's going to prepare. A, that's what a husband does. He, he, he gets something ready for her so that he can receive her to himself. John chapter 3, verse 29. Is this too much scripture? I want to lay this foundation. John chapter 3, verse 29. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Matthew 25, watch this. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. This is Jesus talking. The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Over and over and over again, God, all throughout the Bible, there's this underlying theme and it's about a wedding 
that's going to take place. This that we're in right now is simply the rehearsal. Say it's the rehearsal. The guys are like, man, I hate rehearsals. It's much deeper than that. This is a spiritual thing. It's not physical. And I'll read a scripture later on to show you the difference and how God actually looks at what marriage actually looks like. It goes, it transcends. This is something that's holy, something that's, uh, it transcends all natural things. It's beyond that three-letter word. It's beyond intimacy. It's, it's a much deeper ecstasy. It's a much deeper connection. It's spiritual. Say it's spiritual. In Revelation 21, it says, Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. I don't have time to go into all of them, but I want to read two last ones for you. Book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 10. It says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord and my soul shall exalt my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and he has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Last one, men are gonna love this. Revelation chapter 21 verse nine then came one of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And everybody said, amen. amen. All throughout the Bible, there are what we call foreshadows. Foreshadows means the word for, F-O-R-E, means to precede something. There's foreshadows foreshadows. Say foreshadows. All throughout the New and the Old Testament, even throughout Jesus's life. I'll give you an example. In the book of Genesis, we'll start with the very first book out of the 66 books of the Bible. You have Genesis. I already told you that about uh, Adam and Eve. There was a uh, symbolisms with their marriage, right? That was kind of a wedding in the beginning. And we get into the book of uh, chapter 39, which would be the book of Joseph. Joseph was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? He was sold by his brothers. You know how the Pharisees sold Jesus into, you know how uh, Judas Iscariot sold Jesus for 30 shekels of silver? Joseph was sold for 20 shekels of silver. And Joseph would actually become a savior of all of Egypt of that time. Jesus would also become a savior of all humanity. So Joseph was a type and shadow of who Jesus would be. Sold by his brothers, rejected, and he would help those who hurt him and threw him in the pit. This is what Jesus did. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? This is exactly represented or a foreshadow in Joseph's life. All throughout the Bible, even we could talk about the book of Hosea. Say Hosea. In the book of, is everybody okay with this? In the book of Hosea, and I'm getting somewhere, and it will relate to Father's Day some type of way. I'll figure that out as I go along. (laughs) 
Every human being, before I go into that, every human being is built with a same desire that you cannot escape. You know what it is? I want you to evaluate your life and your heart. And it gets expressed in different ways. The desire to marry. A desire, let me, let me, like, he's like, I'm never getting married. What are you talking about? Marriage is a much bigger word than just relating it to a husband and wife. It's much deeper. Marriage is the deepest state of knowing someone and something. It is the state of wanting to be known by and to know. That's marriage. Marriage simply means oneness. Everybody has that. Somebody, some people try to fulfill it through many different relationships. Come on, just look straight ahead. Some people have been in many different marriages because they're looking to fulfill this God-given desire to be known. And then they figure it out in that first marriage that I'm not finding what I wanted in you. The problem is, is after about second or third one, if that happens, God forbid, or friendship or relationship or whatever it might be, or pet, you start finding out that this desire cannot ultimately be quenched in no way, shape, or form because it's not a human desire. He, God puts something in you specifically to want to know and to be known. Intimately. That word intimacy actually simply means into me you see, right? That is a way to, if you want to play with the word, it's seeing in something and someone something much deeper than what's on the surface. So this transcends physical intimacy. It goes much deeper than that. This is God kind of love. This, is, this transcends all bounds of physical limitations. Is everybody hearing me? Yes. And so all throughout the New Testament and Old Testament alike, God is prepping you. You didn't know that, did you? He's prepping humanity. He's prepping you. He's prepping you even now. He's getting rid of some things in your life. He's getting rid of some people. He's shifting things around. He's maneuvering things. He's cutting out some things that even the things that you may think you need will not serve you in the next season. So he cuts that out so that he can do some new things because he's trying to increase the intimacy between you and him. So what he'll do is he'll deconstruct things where you're stable and where you think it's stable, he sees it as weak and cracking. And so he'll move you. He'll move things, shut doors so he can open some new ones and set your feet on some different foundation, which is him, the rock of ages that never moves, never cracks, never falters. Is everybody hearing me? And so one of these ways God really makes this huge, bold statement to humanity is through a very tough book to read, and it's the book of Hosea. And God is making a statement to humanity. And he has this prophet. He speaks to this prophet. And I'll read what he says to the prophet. It says, the word of the Lord came to Hosea. Say he was a prophet. Do you know what a prophet is? There's a difference between prophets and priests. A priest goes to God on the behalf of the people. Sprinkle blood. On the, so the priest goes to God. Say the priest goes to God on the behalf of the people. Prophets are different. Prophets go to the people on the behalf of God. Do you see the difference? Huge difference. And so God goes and speaks to this prophet. And if I was that prophet in that moment, 
I would have wished I didn't hear God. And here's what he says to Hosea. When the Lord began to speak, Hosea chapter 1 verse 2. When the Lord began to speak by or to Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and a children and children of harlotry. For the Lord has com- for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. God essentially said to him, I want you to prove my love to a generation by marrying a woman who is not just promiscuous. She's a harlot. She is a prostitute. Meaning she would sell her body. And it goes so much deeper, so much deeper, say deeper. It goes very much deeper because God is making an incredible statement in having him marry this, this, this lady. He's not only saying this, I want you, he's like, I want you to show my love to this woman. But more than that, I want, every, because everybody knew Hosea to be a prophet of God, a holy man, say a holy man. And prophets actually ruled the land Kings didn't back then. Prophets had the last say. Did you know that? Kings would get instruction from the prophets and whatever the prophets would say, it would go. Did you know that? Now now we call it the law, but prophets were the law back then. Like like the the law that we know now, if if we were living in in, in those days, whatever the prophets said, go. Whoever needed to be killed would get killed. Prophets would say it, it would happen. They were the highest level of law. That's why the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were called the law. They, they exercised the law, say the law. Does everybody understand that without going deep into it? So for Hosea to go marry a prostitute was a big deal. And here's what God was saying. This is how my people have behaved. They have, they have committed spiritual harlotry by loving other gods and loving other things above me. But I want you to show them two things. Show them that I have the ability to love them while they're looking in the other direction. And I will go, this is a foreshadow of Christ. Because when Christ came to marry you, when you were in that service, when you were having that experience, this is God's display of how which correlates with Hosea, how he can love people who are not loving him back. He will love you first without you coming to him. Does everybody hear that? He was pursuing and the pursuit. Now here's what happened. He marries this lady and it makes a big, bold statement of this is how Jesus is going to love his church. I'm going to love her before she loves me. I'm going to go to her. You know how the Bible says he came from heaven? He came from his comforts to come dwell with us. He came and rescued her off of a prostitute block. This Jose goes in. He marries this lady. You know the story. He marries her. He loves her. He goes and lays with her. He has two kids with her. And you know what she does? She got out of the hood, but the hood didn't get out of her. So here's what happens. I'm from Pine Hills. One night he comes home and Gomer is gone. He gives her everything. He gave her, I feel the presence of the Lord now. He gave her his name. Changed her past. All of the accruements that a wife would want. He was a prophet. He had wealth. He had notoriety, reputation. She could not get rid of the taste of the past. And so she goes out one night and puts on her, 
I don't know. I don't even know. Give me a perfume name. Chanel. Chanel. Whatever. Shania Twain. I was going to say whatever. I don't know. I was trying to grab for something. Give me another one. I don't know what she put on. Chanel. Gucci. It was probably Gucci because, you know, that's a little on the hood side. So she goes out to the block, leaves her husband who had never been with anybody before her. And he goes looking and he goes looking. Gomer, Gomer, where are you? And he finally finds her. And I'm sure when he's seen her, he puts his head down as she's on the block being sold over and over again after he married her. And she won't go home with him. And finally he persuades her and she goes home with him. Do you know how, do you know how he got her to go home? Because the men who were selling her owned her at that point. You got to understand this is a very deep revelation of what I'm about to say because this is exactly what Jesus did. See, see you women, can I talk to you women really quick? You go for the clearance rack. I can't imagine a woman. I know Madi, she's like my sister. She, she would not, first of all, pay top price because she, she wants a deal, like my wife. They're friends, I know. They shop, you know. Can you imagine paying twice, James? So this is the other statement that God is making in the scriptures. Not only will I love a bride who's looking in another direction, who's left me, I'm going to pay for her again. He already had paid. He paid. Price paid in full. He pays two times. They want money for her. So he goes. Here's the revelation. He pays for something he already owned. Why would God do that? And this is a foreshadow of Jesus. Because Jesus is both king and pro, pro. Come on, say it. He's king, priest, and prophet. And so God in the garden says, let us make man, let us make James, let us make Paula, let us make Priscilla and the whole family and, and the Davis family and the Watts family. And the Let's, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. I don't know about you, but if somebody makes me, they own me. And Jesus, oh sweet Jesus, is in heaven, and he, and he sees his creation. He sees his creation going in another direction, loving other lovers, worshiping other gods, not coming to church on Sunday morning. And he steps out of heaven, and he says, I've been loving them, and they're looking in the other direction. I've sent prophets. I've sent priests. They've killed them. They keep turning their back. They, they, they keep falling into their waywardness. I'm going to come. And I, I've already paid it once. I made them. They're mine. You're his. Did you know that? The Bible says that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And guess what God does through this prophet? He already owned her. He paid her father money. That's what the culture did. He goes to the prostitute block. 
and he pays again. Didn't Jesus do that? He already owned you. And when you got saved that day, you didn't realize, you thought you were giving him your life for the first time. Your life was already his. He just wanted to show you he didn't go to the clearance rack. He didn't try to get, see, we try to get deals. He wasn't even looking for a deal. He didn't even say, I'll pay full price for you. We always say he paid the full price. No, he paid more. When he hung on that cross and he broke his body for you, when he hung high and they stretched him wide, he did more than pay the ultimate price. He paid double. It's starting to make sense. What great love God displayed through his son, putting him on the cross, paying double. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 20. Is this too heavy? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Say he paid twice. I I hesitate, I hesitate, I really hesitate on what I'm about to say, but I feel the unction to reveal this to you. Is everybody okay this morning? You okay? Not a whole lot of moving around. Please, I plead with you. There's two main reasons God did this. Two. Say two. One, in marriage, you will understand this. You didn't even know God, you women, who God made this way to when you and your husband, God designed it to where when you first came together, blood would be shed. I know that's heavy. This was God's intention. Now, thank God our past is under the blood. Say it's under the blood. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. This is, I'm speaking by the spirit now. This is, this is spiritual. This is a spiritual matter now, not physical. You know what God was doing? I said it was a wedding feast, right? Say a wedding feast. When Jesus died on the cross, this is why I said I was nervous about preaching this this morning, but I know it was the Holy Spirit who spoke this to me, not a regurgitated sermon. When Jesus hung on that cross, James, bring me this cross, please, quickly. When Jesus died on the cross, he was not only making the ultimate sacrifice, it was the culmination, the coming together with his bride. You understand that? Like a husband and a virgin, when they come together for the very first time, blood must be shed for a covenant to happen. That is so so weighty. Listen, why do you think witches and warlocks, people who practice witchcraft, involve blood? Because they understand covenant in the spirit. It's a a covenant thing. Listen, contracts can be broken. Covenants cannot. Do you know know what the Bible says about the powers of darkness? It said, and I quote, if the princes of this world would have known 
He's talking about demonic powers. If the princes of this world or the principalities of this world would have known what Jesus was going to accomplish at going to the cross or by going to the cross, they never would, they never would have crucified the Lord. They didn't know that God was making a covenant with his people. A blood covenant. Listen, not a contract. Contracts can be broken. Blood covenant cannot. This is why dealing with witchcraft, when it involves blood, these demons give you a hard time coming out. Because, not that they can't. They can be broken because there's a much higher covenant. Say there's a higher covenant. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? A blood covenant was made. In a sense, in a sense, he'll permit me to say this. In a sense, it was God. You know how the Bible says... God displayed his love by sending his own sin, uh, son into the world and to die. Do you know that scripture? God displayed his love. God was essentially this highest level of intimacy was culminating in one moment, essentially showing his great love to his creation. This is a spiritual intimacy, not a physical one. This is only symbolic between a man and a woman when that blood is shed. Do you understand what I'm saying when I'm saying that? Covenant is made when two come together. In the spirit, it works the same way. Now, why did that happen? Say why. What do you think? What do you, give me a communion element. What do you think this is about? What do you think this is about? When you take communion on Sunday morning, you are making covenant the body, unless you eat my flesh, coming one with the flesh, intimacy. This is the highest, this is a spiritual intimacy, say spiritual intimacy. When you come together with the body, becoming one, intimacy. The blood represents covenant that cannot be broken. This is what communion is all about. You are essentially making a love or a recommitment or, or a new fresh covenant with God each time you take communion. This is, this is so good. I'm going to take my own notes. I, this, is, this is Jesus. This is Jesus reestablishing that every Sunday. When we do that, we are coming back together with him. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. What does blood represent? The Bible says life is in the... Say it again. Life is in the blood. You cannot have life apart from Jesus. That's why it feels like death. There's life in the blood. There's life. Say there's life. There's life in the blood of Jesus. If you try to live outside of the will of God, it will feel like death while you're alive. Everything will fall, fall, fall apart. You keep trying to do your things your way, on your timing, going down your own road. It doesn't work that way. We have we only get life by tapping into his. And where is it found? In the blood of Jesus Christ. Covenant. Now, what does this all mean on a Father's Day? Why in the world would I say all that? I'm going to try. I'm still trying to figure it out. Help me out, James. You know why? 
what I talk to my, what I say to my daughter and my children in private. You guys are going to laugh at me because I have them quirky and funny and stuff at home. I'm not so serious. My friends know. Even yesterday, when I came home and seen my daughter, I didn't take her on the boat yesterday. She wasn't feeling well. I always say the same phrase to her. And now I realize because it dawned on me. I always look at her and I say, you are mine. I always say that to her. And she'll say, Daddy, I'm yours. And I'll look at her and say, you know, I, I say those things to her. And the Holy Spirit gave me revelation. Me and her mother, when we wed, when we married, covenant was made. Covenant. And we had a daughter. My daughter has my last name. Because after covenant, we get branded by something. Say, blood creates covenant. Covenant brands you. What is she branded with? My name. My name. If you are a Christian and you're under the sound of my voice, if you're watching via live stream, you are branded with something that you'll never be able to get rid of. This is why when you backslide, it doesn't work. And it never will. Because when you're his, he won't allow you to live a satisfied life out of him. You know, when Cohen's not acting, you know, you know, if you have, who, have, who has kids in this place? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, when you feel that way, like you're not acting like my child right now. And they get disciplined. That's why the Bible says, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Because whom the Lord loves, he chastens. When you experience the whippings of the Lord, it's his love. Why? Because you carry, give me your arm, like form. Because you carry his name. And if you try to live outside of that, you become dissatisfied, you become edgy, you begin, nothing begins to work, everything begins to fall apart because you are branded by his name. Why? Because you are called to bear his name. Everybody under the sound of my voice right now, I believe that all of us are believers, I know most of you. Come on, say amen. amen. You are branded with his name. Say, I'm branded. And this is a much deeper uh, it's a spiritual thing. Say it's a spiritual thing. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. It's a spiritual thing. A lot of people ask me, are we going to be married in heaven? Like, is all that stuff going to be taken away from us? The physical intimacy and all of that. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you, especially you guys, they're going to be like, really? Do they, does heaven at least have milk and cookies? Or chicken wings? Because what I'm about to tell you might di disturb you a little bit. Matthew chapter 22, you may want to write this one down. Matthew chapter 22, verse 29 through 33, the Message Bible. Jesus answered and said, this is, again, the Message Bible. You're off base on two accounts because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, namely the Pharisees, were asking Jesus a question. He was asking them 
asking him about marriage, physical marriage between a man and a woman. Like, is it going to exist in heaven? Like they were asking, hey, who's going to have a man's wife? If, if, a, if a wife's husband dies and the sibling remarries or vice versa, you know how if a person becomes widowed and somebody else marries, who, who's getting her in heaven? Everybody follow me? You ever wondered that? Like if there's like a second marriage or somebody dies, you, like you get to heaven and she's like, I don't know Jack. I don't, I don't know him. Like, you know, if she married more than one guy. Come on, that's kind of funny. Like, I don't know the man. You know, if, you know, if the husband goes home first and she remarries again and her other husband comes with her, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a predicament in heaven. So Jesus is answering that question. Okay, here's his answer. That's not going to be an issue. He says, you're off base on two accounts. You don't know what God said and you don't know how God works. At the resurrection, we are beyond marriage. Say beyond marriage. Now, he doesn't say, he doesn't say we are angels. He says, as with angels, all of our ecstasies and intimacies then will be with God so you're not going to be an angel, okay? You're not going to have wings. If you've lost a child, they do not have, that's not how that works. He says like. He's saying he's, there's a likeness. We will be in our heavenly bodies, our spiritual bodies. Say spiritual body. It's called the new, the new, yeah, the new man. As with the angels, all of our ecstasies and intimacies then will be with God. And regarding your speculation on whether the dead are raised or not, Don't you read your Bibles? The grammar is clear. God says, I am, not was, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. The living God defines himself not as God of the dead, but of the living. Hearing this exchange, the crowd was much impressed. I mean, that's a simple answer. So we will not be physically married. We will know our spouses. Did you know that? We will know our spouses. Whoever you decide to marry, if you ever marry, you will know them. But it's not like that in heaven because there's only one groom, Jesus. We will be married to him. And he does this all for one reason. He shed his blood to make covenant with you. A covenant that never dies and never fails, never goes away. So that you could forever be branded by his name his name say his name you will forever be branded by his name come on just close your eyes just lift your hands to the Lord right now that's my main prayer is that God would brand people with his name all over this room I just I keep I keep I keep having this sense all morning long to remind people who are trying to find satisfaction in other things other than Christ other than a deep rich relationship with him there is no life outside of him there's only life in him in him we move we live and we have our beings I feel like God wants to brand some people this morning. Father, I pray that you would 
cause your blood, your precious blood to wash away everything that would interrupt a true covenant with you this morning between your people and yourself, myself and you as well, Lord. In the name of Jesus. This is what I keep feeling. I, 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 I keep feeling like um, to remind people of love. Like there's people who you desire marriage and love. This doesn't land with anybody specifically. It, I know it lands with many of you. Do not forget that this is just the dress rehearsal. Marriage, this, this will teach you on the earth, marriage and covenant and love, it only teaches you how to love him better. This is only a small glimpse of what you're going to experience with Christ. Marriage is not the end there all. Marriage with him is the end there all. This is eternal. This is something spiritual. This is something on a much higher plane. And I pray that each and every person would experience that type of ecstasy, if you will, that type of intimacy with Christ because nothing else matters. Nothing else can compare. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.